Amen, amen. Everybody doing well? Man, praise God. How about this fall weather? <clears throat> A little wet, amen? Isn't it nice? All right, praise God. All right, I want to say thank you to all of you who gave, to all of you who prayed for men's retreat. We had an incredible time. Uh, is Brian here? Brian, are you here? Brian Balsadua, did he leave? He, I saw him earlier, and uh, I said, hey, man, uh, I wish you'd gone to men's retreat. He was like, I was there, man. Uh, uh, yeah, we took, we, yeah, he was, I was there, man. I said, did you ride? He said, yeah, I rode. Uh, so, so there were so many men there that I, I, I obviously I didn't see Brian. So uh, we had 96 men. It went absolutely phenomenal. And I'm so grateful for your prayers. I'm so grateful for your giving. Uh, I'm so grateful for Megan who brought the word last week. Uh, she preached and did a fantastic job. And for all of you that were in church last week, thank you for being here. And so I just wanted to give you a great report about how everything went. And I'm, I'm thankful and I'm grateful. And we we can't wait till next year. Amen. Amen. All right, let me pray and we're going to jump in. Father, thank you this morning for your word. Give us ears to hear. Give us hearts to receive. In Jesus' name, everybody said, when you walked through the door this morning, you walked into something that is supernatural. Okay, you walked into something supernatural. It's called the local New Testament church. This is the place of God. This is the place of life. It's a place of hope. It's a place of healing. And when you walked in this morning, you walked into something that's supernatural. We are not an organization. Are we organized? Absolutely, we're organized. Uh, we've already started planning and thinking about what we're doing a year from now in Men's Retreat. I was visiting with a young man one time, and I was sharing Christ with him, and he raised his hand up and said, oh, oh, no, I, I'm not into organized religion. Then it was like something being organized was kind of something negative. And, and so it just made me think about that whole idea. And so, you know, I had heart surgery five years ago. So imagine as I'm laying on the table before they put me out, if the doctor had leaned over my face and said, hey, we don't really know what we're doing. We're not very organized, but we're going to get it figured out. Well, I'd have jumped off that table and ran out of there like crazy, amen? All right, all right. Let, let's have uh, unorganized law enforcement. I mean, there's been talk in the nation that we ought to defund the police, and so, you know, we ought to just go ahead and do that, and then everybody pack a gun, everybody have something with them, then we'll just settle our differences in the street like in the Old West. Now, I know there's some people who would like that, uh, but overall, it wouldn't be a good thing. And so, absolutely, church is organized. Anything works better when it's organized, but we're not an organization. Now, why does that matter, Pastor? Why are you talking about that? Because we're the living body of Christ. We're the hands and the feet of Jesus. We're the eyes and the ears of Jesus, and we're supernatural. The church was born on the day of Pentecost. You can read about it. You can go to Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2, and you can take a peek into the delivery room, and you can see where the church was born, and it was born supernaturally. The disciples of Jesus did not really understand the church, but Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, did. God gave the revelation 
or the understanding of the church to Paul. Now, why does that matter? It matters because you and I are the church. Now, let me explain something to you that's really powerful. When you look at yourself, when you think about yourself, you are an individual member of the body of Christ. You, by yourself, all alone. Okay, you're an individual member of the body of Christ. You're also an individual member of the church of Jesus Christ. Now, when I say the church, I don't mean the Baptist or the Methodist or Tulia Christian Fellowship or the Catholics. I don't mean that. I mean those who've accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. And every church, our church right here, the Baptist here in town, the Methodist here in town, every church has born-again believers in it. That's the church that I'm talking about. We're part of the church. You're an individual. All right. But then the second thing is we're a local body of believers. This is supernatural. Listen, men's retreat would not happen without the body of Christ. Men's retreat would not happen without the local church. So we're a part of the local church. Then we're a part of the body of Christ all over the world. Listen, we're everywhere. Okay, uh, governments can't stop it. Uh, the Communist Party can't stop it. Walls can't stop it. You can go anywhere you want in the world, and there's Christians there. There's a local New Testament church there. Now, like in China, they're in hiding. They don't have a church on the corner like we do where we have church, and sometimes we can take it for granted. But they're there, and they're underground, and they're having church. We are absolutely everywhere. We're all over the earth. We're all over the world. Then take another step beyond that. There's a whole group of us in heaven, and there's a whole group of us here on the earth. Now, don't miss this. See, my mom and dad are born-again Christians, and they've gone home to be with Jesus. And I bet you have a loved one that's gone home to be with Jesus. My parents are in heaven right now, and they're in the presence of God, and they're with the Lord Jesus Christ. My grandparents are there. My brother is there. My sister-in-law is there. You see, they're all there, and we're all here. And the day's going to come when we're all going to be united, and we're all going to be together, and we're all going to be one body. The Bible says is there's going to be so many of us that it almost looks like a sea of glass, and we're all going to be together. Listen, I don't know about you, but I can't wait for that day. I can't wait to be with my parents. I can't wait to be with my grandparents. So we're here, but we're also there. Now, Paul wrote seven letters in 14 years to the church. Now, it's in the New Testament, and I'm going to tell you what they are. But why does that matter? Well, here's why it matters, because you and I are in the church, Okay, if somebody wrote a letter to the church, let's say somebody wrote a letter to us, to Julia Christian Fellowship, a Christian, and they wrote a letter, and they wrote some things that they felt like God wanted us to know. Well, I would get up, and I would read that letter. That's exactly what they did. Paul wrote letters, and when they got the letters, somebody in the church stood up, and they read it. Let me tell you what the title of those letters are. It's Romans, First and Second Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and First and Second Thessalonians. All of those are in your New Testament. Now, why am I talking about this? Because they're written to the church, and you and I are the church. And we ought to take time to read those letters because those letters were written to you by the hand of Paul, but they're from God. And those are written to you to help you understand the church, to help you understand what God's doing in your life. Now, the Bible says that you and I and Peter, it says that you and I are living stones. 
You know, what does that mean? Well, when you think about building, and I'm not a builder, but you, if you use brick to build something, bricks are uniform. They're all the same. They weigh about the same. And then a man that, or a woman that's a mason, they take brick and they, they build a wall or they build a building. Okay, you can also use stones, but the thing about stones is different than bricks is stones are different shapes, they're different sizes, and it takes more of a craftsman to take those stones to build a wall. You know, Kurt and Megan live right here next door in the house right next door. Then there's another house right next door to them, and that Kurt and Megan's house is brick, but the house next door is made of rock, and that whole entire house is built of rock. And every time I look at that house, I always imagine the man that built it, the man that took the concrete and took those stones and built that house. And then there's a fireplace, and on top of the little fireplace are little pieces of stone that they put all the way around for decoration. Now, why does this matter? Well, the Bible says you are a living stone. What does that mean? Well, it means you're unique. See, we're not brick. We're not all uniform. We're not all the same. In fact, one of the things that's common among all of us is our differences. We're all different. You're a living stone, and God is the craftsman. God is the mason, and God takes the concrete, and he puts you within his kingdom where he wants you to be. You've been supernaturally placed in the kingdom of God with your gifts, with your abilities, and you know what it is? It's supernatural. And God wants to use your supernatural gifts and abilities. And in fact, the New Testament says that the church is the house of God, the house of God. Listen, in the last few years, we've reached 105 people for Jesus Christ. 105 people have received Christ as their Savior. Now, that's happened at church, it's happened at Ground Zero, and it's happened at Men's Retreat. Just this past week at Men's Retreat, we had men say yes to Jesus Christ. We've had 105 people. Now, why am I telling you that? Because God's moving. God's doing something amazing. Now, I looked it up online, and I found out that the average person has at least 10 friends. Okay, now that's not acquaintances, 10 friends. The average person has 10 friends. Then you can take it another step further, and if you, if you go to funerals very much, an average funeral is usually about 150 people. Okay, sometimes they can be bigger, but in general, a funeral is 150 people. What does that mean? That means most people have at least 150 acquaintances. Now, why am I telling you this? Okay, here's why. When you reach a person for Christ, you have the chance to touch their friends. Then you have a chance to touch their acquaintances. So let's just say the 105 people in the last few years that have said yes to Jesus reached 10 friends. You know what that means? That means another 1,000 people possibly heard the gospel of Jesus Christ because those 105 said yes to Jesus. Out of those 105, we've done 65 water baptisms, and we've done them right outside here with a tank. We've done them down at uh, Cedar Canyon, at, down there in the swimming pool. I've even done water baptisms at Lake McKenzie. Uh, over the years, we've water baptized people. Why does that matter? Because those people are making a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ, and they have an opportunity to impact their friends and their family. This last weekend at Men's Retreat, we took 96 men, 96 men, the most we've ever taken before in the history of men's retreat. 
Now, not all of those men have a family. We took some young guys. We actually had some high school boys there. I believe we had six high school guys that went to men's retreat with us. It's, we've never done that before. It's the most we've ever had. So let's take the six out, and let's talk about the 90 that are left. Okay, there were 90 men there, and you know what those 90 men represent? 90 different families. Now, that can be a wife. Uh, it can be a child. It can be a stepchild. It can be a first marriage. It can be a second marriage. But listen, when you impact a man, you impact a line of people behind him. Okay? So there were 90 families. Now, think about it for a minute. There were 90 families represented by those 90 men in the mountains on that hill, crying out to God, worshiping God, getting prayer, turning their hearts toward the living God. Why am I telling you this? Because God is moving in our midst, and it's supernatural. Listen, I said earlier already, and I want to say it one more time. Thank you. Thank you for your prayer. Thank you for your giving. Thank you for helping. I know some of you gave to help towards men's retreat. Thank you. Because you impacted 96 men. You impacted 90 families. God's doing amazing things. Let me read to you this morning out of Galatians chapter 3, and I'm going to start with verse 26. Listen to what it says. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Now, what are we talking about this morning? We're talking about the church. We're talking about the body of Christ. We are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Now, I already mentioned that we've baptized 65 different people. And this is talking about baptism, but it's talking about two things. It's talking about when you say yes to Jesus, you put on Christ. And you're immersed, if you will, or placed in the body of Christ. All right, that's not water baptism. Now, that is also talking about being baptized in water when you receive Christ as your Savior. But it's talking about you and I being immersed in Christ. Let me keep reading. There's neither Jew nor Greek. What's a Greek? Well, that's us. We're Gentiles. You see, there's two groups of people on the earth. There's the Jews and everybody else. So it's the Jew or the Greek or the Gentile. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female. You're all one in Christ Jesus. Now, what in the heck is he talking about? He's talking about that there's one common denominator in church, and you know what it is? That we know Jesus Christ is our Savior. You see, God doesn't look at us based on our differences. He doesn't look at you. Are there going to be men and women in heaven? Absolutely. Are there going to be Gentiles in heaven? Absolutely. Are there going to be Jews in heaven? Absolutely. Are there going to be people who were slaves in heaven? Absolutely. Are there going to be free people in heaven? Absolutely. But that's not the distinction. The distinction is that you know Christ as your Savior. When you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, you step into something that's supernatural, and it's the church. You are part of something supernatural. There are a lot of good things going on in the earth, a lot of good things. There's a lot of good organizations on the earth. There's the Red Cross. I can think of a lot of different things that are doing good works that are helping people, and they're good things. They're good groups. But listen, the only organization on the earth that's supernatural is the church, and you are a part of it. 
When you came through that door this morning, you know what you did? You exposed yourself to the supernatural. You exposed yourself to the presence of God. You exposed yourself to the anointing of God. And you know what it does? It changes your life. I talked to a young woman this morning, and she said, my husband went to men's retreat last year, and he came home from men's retreat this year, and all I can say is, is it changed him. It changed him. My, my daughter can say the very same thing. I've had her tell me the very same thing. When my husband went to men's retreat, something happened to him. He changed. I can tell you exactly what happened to him. He got in God's presence. Kurt talks about it all the time, that we desire here to have a face-to-face encounter with God that when you show up in here on Sunday morning, when the kids show up in Power Kids, when the teenagers show up in Ground Zero, when we take the men's to men's retreat, you know what happens? We have a face-to-face encounter with God. And you know what it does? It changes you. It changes you. It transforms you. You see, that's God's plan and God's purpose. Let me read you another verse. I want to read Hebrews 10, 24, 25. This is the New Living Translation. Let us think of ways to motivate one another. You know what we're doing here this morning? We're here to motivate one another. That's what we're supposed to do, to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. What am I supposed to be doing here this morning? I'm supposed to be motivating you to acts of love and to good works. Verse 25, let us not neglect meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Listen, every time you come in this place, You expose yourself to the life of God. You expose your children to the life of God. Hey, no, Pastor, my kids are in the nursery. Uh, They're not exposed to the life of God. Yes, they are. Yes, they are, because they're in the house of God, and they're in God's nursery. Amen? Your children and your family are exposed to God. When you drop your children off at Power Kids... You know, I said we've had 105 people say yes to Jesus, and I didn't include Power Kids. Now, you know, at Power Kids, just a couple of weeks ago, I stood up there and I said, hey, how many of y'all would like to invite Jesus into your heart? Well, every single hand in the room went up, a hundred of them, a hundred. They all raised their hands. Now, see, I don't get up there and say, hey, if you'd like to receive Jesus, come to the front, because they would stampede to the front and they would kill me. Then you would have to have my funeral, amen? I mean, you have to be careful how you do it with a hundred kids, because every single one of them will get out of their chair and every single one of them will come up front. Now, listen, I believe in childhood salvations. I believe they're real. So I said, how many of you want to invite Jesus into your heart? So every single one of them raised their hand. Well, then I led them in a prayer of salvation, the prayer that we all know. And I said, pray this after me. Thank you, Jesus. And they all, they roar, thank you, Jesus. You know, they don't pray like y'all do, all sheepy and quiet. You know, you know, y'all kind of pray half ashamed, you know, when we pray. You know, Lord Jesus, you know, come into my heart. You know, no, they don't pray like that. They pray loud. They pray all together. You know, hey, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my heart. I mean, they pray loud. Every single one of them pray that prayer. <clears throat> now, you may think, hey, pastor, you know, not all those kids got saved. Okay, I'll, I'll give you that if you want to, if you want to say all of them didn't. But here's what I know. Children's hearts are pure. Children's hearts are hungry. 
And when they pray that prayer to invite Christ into their life, I believe it's genuine and I believe it's real. So if you took this 105 and you just had power kids, well, now we're at 205. And then you know what else happens in Power Kids? They go home and they bring the gospel to their family. Now, do they go home and preach? No. But you know what they do? They go home singing the songs that we sing. And I've talked to adults in our services who say, oh, we came to church because our kids came home from Power Kids. And they're singing those songs you sing. You know, God's not dead. He's surely alive. They come home singing that. And they sing it around the dinner table. And mom and dad are like, what is wrong with you? Well, I've been at Power Kids, and they hear the gospel, and they're loved with the love of God, and they go home singing those songs, and then you know what happens? Their families come to church, and it goes right back to what I said about 90 men with 90 families. You see, kids go home and impact their family. Teenagers go home and impact their family. Men go home and impact their family. Listen, we are a part of something that's supernatural. And I just want to thank you, and then I want you to, to recognize it and be aware of it. Okay, God, when you come in this place, God's moving on you and your family. Let me read you one more verse this morning. This is 1 Corinthians 12 and 27. It says, now you and I, we're the body of Christ. How do I become a member of the body of Christ? By inviting Christ into my life. And we're members individually. We're the church. We're the supernatural church. Listen, when you leave this place today and you go to your job and you go to your family, you know what you do? You take Christ with you. You are loaded with the supernatural. You are loaded with the presence of God. You go from God's house into your world and you take that light with you. A couple of weeks ago, I went to a luncheon in Amarillo at Fellowship of Christian Athletes, and it was at the First United Methodist Church in Amarillo, and the head football coach from Paladura High School spoke, and he got up and talked about his dad being a pastor and how he grew up in church and how he found Christ as his Savior as a young man, and then he talked about the influence of God in his life, and then he talked about his influence on his players and on the other coaches. And you know why that happened? Because he was in the local church and he heard the gospel and he received Christ. Now listen to this, and I don't want you to miss this. Ground zero would not happen without the church. Power kids would not happen without the church. Men's retreat would not happen without the church. It happens because of church and because of the grace of God and the power of God on the local New Testament church. It happens because of you, because you pray, because you give, because you care. And we're reaching kids, we're reaching teenagers, we're reaching men, we're reaching families, and God's making a difference. And I get to be a part of it. You get to be a part of it. And it's amazing, amen? Amen. Y'all stand up and let me pray for you this morning. Father God, thank you. Thank you for the church. Thank you that we're a part of the church, that we're a part of something that's supernatural. Father God, thank you that we are individual members of your body. We're your hands, we're your feet, we're your voice. Lord, help us to be a light in our world. Help us to be a light in our jobs, a light in our family, a light among our friends. 
Father God, I thank you that every time we come in this place, we're touched, we're changed, and God, you move in our lives. Father God, I'm thankful for it. Lord, I love you. I'm so glad that I'm a part of the church. I'm so thankful for the church. I'm so thankful that there's there's not a plan B, that this is the plan, and that your hand is on it. And every time I'm in this place, I'm charged and strengthened and encouraged. And Father, I'm thankful for it. As we go from this place, your hand is on us. It's in Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said? Amen. Praise God. Hey, I love you. Y'all going to be.